Welcome to the Elevate Life Podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Well, it is so great to be with you this morning. I am super nervous. So while y'all are down there, just pray for me up here. Um, But we're going to say our declarations this morning, so let's put our hands over our hearts and let's say this together. I declare that I am created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, that all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. Yes and amen. Today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up our hands. Say, come Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put a big hand clap on that. Well, you may be seated. Well, first, I want to thank my mom and my dad, Pastor Keith and Pastor Sheila, for believing in me to do this today. You might see me on stage and be like, you're on stage all the time. What are you talking about? If you're a singer at all, you know this is completely different. Anytime I even speak out and singing for a worship transition or something like that, that's about three minutes. This is a lot longer, but I know that God's going to help me, and I'm just so grateful that my parents believe in me to do this. My dad called me, and I was at lunch with some friends that I work with, and he said, I need you to do me a really big favor. I'm like, yes, sir, whatever you need. He's like, I need you to speak on September 25th. Is that today? September 25th. And I was like, I already said whatever you need. So we're doing it. It's going to be great. And I just want to honor today to Josh McCraw, who I know is sitting over here somewhere. Stand up, Josh. Josh is right here. We've been, you can sit down. We've been sharing his story and me and Clay have known him for a long time and just seeing him be faithful to God's house and God pour out blessings on him and seeing his family grow has just been incredible. And everything that he said is really real. He's really lived that out and walked that out. And I I know he's seeing God's promises play out for him, just like he said. So we love you, Josh. And I love how the story ended and he said, just believe the promises of God are real. And I believe that today. Can we pray together? God, we thank you today for your goodness. God, we thank you that you are a promise maker and a promise keeper. Today, as we read your word, as we open it up, God, we just ask that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us. God, that by your Holy Spirit, that there would just be something really special that happens today in this room. Just like we said in our declarations, we open up our minds, we open up our hearts for you to do whatever you want to do. God, I ask that you would use me today, use your word today, and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I want to show you my family. This is my family. Um, I know you guys see me and Clay all the time, and you probably see Layla and Livy if you follow me or my family on Instagram, my parents. Um, me and Clay have been married for 12 years. Yes, I am very young, and I got married very young. Um, this is Livy on the right side. She, with her hand up in the air, we call her Lively Livy, and she just turned six on Tuesday. And then Layla over here is just our little peacemaker and organized, like sweetest kid ever, more responsible, always asks me, mommy, do you have your phone? Do you have your purse? Do you leave anything? Because I leave things places and she does not. So I'm really grateful for that, really grateful for her. Um, But these are a part of my promises and I wanted you to see them today. Today we're gonna go to 2 Kings 4, 8 through 17. And I love this story, and I'm going to kind of parallel it with my story because it's been an encouragement to me in this season. So starting with verse 8, one day Elisha passed through Shunem. 
a leading lady of the town, walked him, talked him into stopping by for a meal. And then it became his custom. Whenever he passed through, he stopped by for a meal. I'm certain, said the woman to her husband, this man who stops by with us all the time is a holy man of God. Why don't we add a small room upstairs and furnish it with a bed and desk, chair and lamp so that when he comes by, he can stay with us. And so it happened the next time Elisha came by, he went to the room and lay down for a nap. Then he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the Shunammite woman, I want to see her. He called her and she came to him. Through Gehazi, Elisha said, you've gone far beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. What can we do for you? Do you have a request we can bring to the king or to the commander of the army? She replied, nothing. I'm secure and satisfied in my family. Elisha conferred with Gehazi, there's got to be something we can do for her, but what? Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is an old man. Call her in, said Elisha. He called her and she stood at the open door. Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing an infant son. Oh, my master, oh, holy man, she said. Don't play games with me, teasing me with such fantasies. The woman conceived a year later, just as Elisha had said, and she had a son. I love this story. Like I said, it parallels mine. And today I'm gonna to tell you some of my story and I'll probably cry, so just prepare yourself for that. Um, but part of my tears are the presence of God, a part of my tears are my gratitude for what I know God has done and is doing in my life. So in 2019, we lost our first baby, a little boy. That's, little boy's the one right there with my girls. And after that miscarriage, God encouraged me with Romans 8, 26 through 29. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And one day I was studying after all this and I felt like God was like, you didn't read the rest of your story. I have more for you. So I was like, okay, I'll read Romans nine. And I had kind of moved on to a different place in my Bible. And that was in December of 2019. And it talks about how Rebecca had twins. I thought, wouldn't that be so crazy, God, if you like, if I had twins, like, is that what you're trying to say? So I wrote, two hearts in my Bible, put two names in the hearts and didn't tell anybody about it. Like two weeks go by and my dad texts me and he's like, hey, I know this is a weird thing to say, but I just feel like you're gonna have twins. And I was like, that's so crazy you're saying that because I haven't even told Clay, but I just felt like God spoke that to me. And a year goes by, decide to take a pregnancy test and find out that I'm pregnant. And I went to the doctor almost a year after God gave me that word and I was pregnant with twins. And after having a miscarriage, pregnancy doesn't feel like it once did. And I'm the type that I'm like, I'm not afraid, like God's with me. I have a dad who has a, you know, amazing gift of faith and has really led me and taught me in that. But after going through that first miscarriage, I was like, all right, these doctor's appointments are hard. This is hard. But when I found out it was twins, it was like, everything's gonna be fine because this is like the promise of God being played out. Like, it's just so God that this would actually happen. And appointment after appointment, things were going so great. Due to COVID, Clay couldn't come with me to my appointments, but he was on FaceTime. And I went in for this one appointment, everything was going great, super smooth. And she goes to put the sonogram thing on my stomach and one baby's kicking and dancing around and the other one's completely still. And I knew what this looked like in the past and just immediately was like, I'm, I'm gonna believe God. Like, I'm gonna believe God, he's gonna do a miracle. And as I walked out of the doctor's office, I heard her say to the nurse, there's just one now. And that was horrible. <laughs> I was like a really big like shot to the heart, you know? And so I'm by myself, so I get in the car 
And I prayed the loudest I've ever prayed with one hand on one side and one hand on the other side saying, Jesus, 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 over and over and saying, God, I know you can do miracles. I know you can resurrect this baby. And so me and Clay, I called Clay. We prayed on the phone and he asked my family to pray and they fasted and Clay fasted. And we were just believing that when I came back in a week that the other one would come back to life. And we went back a week later and well, before we went back a week later, I, not only while we were praying, were we praying really hard, but I wouldn't even let my feet touch the floor when I would get out of bed, just my knees. And it was my way of just fully surrendering to God. And so we go back a week later and I told the doctor before they put it on my stomach, listen, I'm believing today that when you put this on here that this other baby's gonna come back to life. She said, okay. So she puts it on there, and not only is the other, is one baby still, but now so was the other. And my conversation with God was basically like, why would you give me this word and tell me that you're gonna do this? And then they both die. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what's the point of that? Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The Shunammite woman in 2 Kings kept doing what is good. She didn't just feed the prophet. She made a whole room in her house for him. I know that that honored God because on top of that, she didn't know how her story would end. She didn't ever ask for anything in return, or at least the Bible has no record of it, but the prophet asks her what they can do for her in return. Her harvest and her promise was in motion before he ever asked her that question. My encouragement to you today is that your miracle is in motion, your promise is in motion before God ever gives you a word, before anybody ever asks you the question. And when it seems like nothing is happening, that's when you know God is up to something. So number one is don't give up. In 2 Kings 4, 18 through 36, the story goes on. And the woman's child starts to grow up and one day she's in the he's in the field with his dad and he says, my head, my head, my head is hurting. And his dad tells his servant, take him to his mother. And the Bible says that the servant took him in his arms and carried him to his mother. He lay on her lap until noon and then he died. She took him up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in alone and left. Then called her husband and said, get me a servant and a donkey so I can go to the holy man and I'll be back as soon as I can. And her husband's like, why? Like, you know, there's nothing special happening today. Why are you going to do that? She said, don't ask questions. I need to go right now. Trust me. She went ahead and saddled the donkey. The holy man spotting her while she was a long way off said to his servant, Gehazi, look out there. Why? It's the Shunammite woman. Quickly now ask her if something is wrong. Are you all right? Your husband, your child? She said, everything is fine. But when she reached the holy man at the mountain, she threw herself at his feet and held tightly to him. Gehazi came up to pull her away, but the holy man said, leave her alone. Can't you see she's in dis distress? But God hasn't let me in on why I'm completely in the dark. Then she spoke up and she said, did I ask for a son, master? Didn't I tell you don't tease me with false hopes? He ordered Gehazi, don't lose a minute. Grab my staff, run as fast as you can. If you meet anyone, don't take time to greet him. If anyone greets you, don't even answer. Lay my staff across the boy's face. The mother said, as sure as God lives and you live, you are not leaving me behind. So Gehazi let her take the lead and followed behind. But Gehazi first, when Gehazi first arrived, he laid the staff across the boy's face, but there was no sound, no life. Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and said, the boy hasn't stirred. So I imagined her conversation with God was similar to mine. I didn't ask for this. Of course I wanted it, 
but it had been so many years and nothing happened. Then you finally gave it to me and then you let it die. This makes no sense. But she didn't give up. She got on the road and she went to the prophet Elisha. He said his servant could go ahead, but she said, you're coming with me and I'm not leaving until you do. So Elisha gets there, he goes into the room, locks the door, and I can just imagine the conversation kind of outside. It's like, all right, like Gehazi tried and this is probably not gonna happen. I don't know what, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what he's gonna do. Just this waiting of, is there gonna be a miracle here? The Bible says, Elisha summoned Gehazi, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet, bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms, carried him downstairs. The boy was brought back to life. Some of us need, need to summon the donkey and get on the road. We've decided, since I haven't seen this come to pass yet, that's it. God's done. He's not done, but you can't give up. You can't stop. You can't say, well, this must be the end. This must be what my story looks like. It's not, I promise you. And this might be a weird thing to say, but God can only do so much. You might go, well, God's the God of the impossible. He can do anything. He can do anything, but you have to give him something to work with. <clears throat> so I came here to tell you today, do what you can do. Get on your donkey and don't give up. With the twins, I believe for a resurrection until the very end. Before we went into the hospital to find out if the other twin had come back to life, I had a predetermined response to God that I wrote and it goes like this. My response, no matter the outcome, is God, I trust you. I'm grateful for my life and all you have given me. I trust you have a plan and that you're sovereign. You know what I want, and truly what I want is what you want. I want the healer more than the healed. I want the giver more than the giving. I want the savior more than the saving. I don't think that everything will go my way. I know there can be joy and sorrow, and you will help me and be with me and strengthen me and carry me. So before knowing the outcome, I trust you. I've asked, and I've asked. And no matter what, I trust. There's a difference in surrender and giving up. Surrender is trusting God with everything completely and taking your hands off the wheel. Giving up is to no longer believe in the integrity of God. And it's taking your, putting your hands off the wheel and taking his off. When you're believing God for something, the only thing you will regret is giving up. The Israelites wandered for 40 years to get to the promised land. My friend Garrett Uncleback says, we can only see the promise if we don't give up. Abraham was 75 years old when God told him he would give him land to his descendants. It wasn't until Abraham was 100 that God gave him a son. That's 25 years in between. Has anyone ever thought that God's timing was bad? Because I, I have. And I know in the Bible it keeps saying like his timing's perfect, but I'm like, well, yeah, could be better maybe. <laughs> but there are countless stories in the Bible of waiting and waiting. With Lazarus, he showed up four days after Lazarus had already died. He knew he was sick beforehand. Like it wasn't a surprise, like he got there, oh, I'm four days, like he died four days ago. No, they, he knew, he could have rushed and got there, but he didn't, he waited on purpose. Maybe he's waiting because the more desperate your situation, the greater he can show his power on your behalf. And just because he spoke it to you doesn't mean you will automatically see it. But just because you don't automatically see it doesn't mean he didn't speak it. God doesn't care about our preference, our human schedule, or what we asked him to do at what time. He listens, but he is sovereign. God is not protecting your plan for your life. 
He's protecting his promise for you and his plan for you. We always have a plan for ourselves. God, I want you to do this at this time. I wanna see this happen at this time. I wanted to be done having kids by the time I was 30. Next month I turned 32. After losing the second twin, I got in the car. Surgery date scheduled. No tears. Because honestly, at this point, I was mad. And I told Clay, I don't want to talk. And about 10 minutes go by, and this song came to my heart. The song is called Always Good. And so I put it on in the car, and I just began to cry. I sat there, my two babies inside of me, their hearts no longer beating. And my thoughts kind of went like this. I don't understand. I wish God would have done this miracle but it doesn't mean he can't. It doesn't mean he isn't good to me. It doesn't mean that he doesn't hear me or that he isn't listening. It doesn't mean that this story is over. God, you are still my redeemer, my deliverer, my promise keeper, my hope, my peace, my joy, my strength, and you are still good. In fact, God, you're always good, even in this. Well, then there came the real tears. And the song went like this. I'm going to try to sing it for you. And this will be my song, that you are always good. I'll sing it all day long, that you are always good. And when the day is through, I am left with you, are always, you are always good. We live in a fallen world. We're human, and the Bible never said that bad things wouldn't happen. And sometimes I think we get that confused. So we think, well, I'm a Christian and I really do my best and I really try to be obedient and follow God. He never said if you do all those things, everything will go your way. There have been times where I wanna know why and I still wish I understood certain things, but I trust him. His promises for me are not that he'll answer all my prayers or answer all my whys. His promises are he has a plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Number two, he's faithful. First Thessalonians 5, 24, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Number three, he will strengthen and help you. Isaiah 41.10, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will, uh, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Number four, he can be trusted. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise, just like Brinkley said in worship. And number five, he will finish the work he started. Philippians 1.6. Be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. How could I not say that God is good? Look at his 7,487 promises. Look at the faces of my two beautiful girls. Look at the, the husband that I have, the marriage I get to have. Look at the job that I get to do. Look at the fact that I'm breathing, the fact that he did something great in me in the last miscarriage in 2019, so I know he, he's doing something here. God, I'm just gonna trust you, and I know that you'll do that again. You'll do that again in me. You're still good. Pastor Jeremy said in staff a couple weeks ago, don't put personal preference over purpose. It's not about what your preference is, but the purpose God has. He doesn't do anything flippantly. Yes. Have you ever seen this image of Jesus 
holding the bigger teddy bear. The little girl has the little teddy bear. She says, but I love it, God. And the picture says, just trust me. The little girl holding the teddy bear behind her back is like us holding our preference or holding our plan. Jesus is saying, will you just give that to me? Will you just empty out your hands of what you think I should do for you? And not that you can't ask, not that you can't pray, not that you can't believe because you should do those things. But we need empty hands for him to put something else into our hands. And his plan is always better than ours. God's given us so many examples in the Bible to encourage us. Job lost his entire family and everything he had, but he didn't give up. He trusted God and God restored it all and more. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, but they kept believing and as they praised God, he was with them. And not only did their chains fall off, but so did those around them. David, if you've read the Psalms, it pretty much looks like my conversations with God. It's all over the place. But it always ends with, I trust you, I believe, and I'll worship you anyway. Hannah, she pleaded to God for a son. Over and over, she kept on asking while her sister wife was blessed over and over with children through bullying, discouragement, and years of not seeing her promise come to pass. She kept asking and God gave her a son. Abraham and Sarah, God told them for 25 years they would have a son. God said it actually seven times before he actually did it. And as they wrestled with what they didn't see, God gave them a son and made him the father of many nations. Jesus, the greatest example, as he was facing death, he asked God if there was another way. There wasn't. He could have ran, he could have denied God, but he went to his death for you and for me because he believed that God would do what he said he would do and use his life to redeem us all. I will never stop believing that God is good. I'll never stop believing that God is faithful. I'll never stop believing that God has a plan for me. And I will rub it in the enemy's face as many times as I need to. So after finding out that we lost both the twins, I had surgery two days before my 30th birthday. Like I said, I wanted to be done having kids by my 30th birthday. This was not how I saw things going. For me, waking up from surgery is the hardest part because I believe until the very end. I asked my doctor, when you go in there, can you make sure have the stenographer make sure before you do anything. So then waking me up to tell me that everything went well, it didn't go well. But I always wanna leave room for a miracle because I believe it isn't over. I still believe and I don't regret it. I would much rather look back and say I believed all the way till the end than to say I quit and gave up and maybe if I wouldn't have, would God have done something? I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And Jairus, whose daughter was dying in Mark 5, 25 through 43, you know the story, but a woman touches the hem of Jesus's garment. But the whole time there's a man, we always hear that story, but there's a man waiting there to get Jesus to his house because his daughter is dying. And I can't imagine standing there saying, you're stopping right now? I mean, wonderful, you healed her, like, let's go. My daughter's dying. And while that was all happening, that same moment, while Jairus is watching Jesus talk to this woman, someone comes up to Jairus and says, you don't need to bring Jesus. Your daughter's already dead. But Jesus overheard what was said. And in Mark 5, 36, he says, don't listen to them. Just trust me. I believe 
that Jesus uses the miracles around us not to discourage us, but to encourage us. Maybe Jesus stopped right there to say, wonderful, heal the woman, but Jairus, I want you to see this because this is what I'm about to do for you and for your family. Jesus wasn't in a hurry because he's not a doctor or a paramedic. We are never too far in our condition that he can't heal us. The more desperate your situation, like I said, the greater opportunity he has to show his power on your behalf. So let the miracles around you encourage you for the even greater that God will do. And it won't look like somebody else, but it'll look exactly the way it needs to look for you. But don't give up. Number two is choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. After losing our first son in 2019 and then the twins in 2020, I found out I was pregnant again at the beginning of this year. And the last time I shared this story was at she, a she gathering. My sister asked me to share. And none of the ladies knew it, but I was pregnant. And the more pregnancies you have, the more that it showed. So in that season, I was doing like everything I could to hide it, because that was happening underneath everything. And I couldn't wait though to share the story with everyone about how I was pregnant with the promise, how I was in this period of redemption. And a couple days after sharing that at the She Gathering, we found out we were having a boy. Again, we were so excited because our first loss was a boy, the twins were boys, and now we were having another boy. And we really felt like, man, God's doing it, this is it, and we were, in full rejoice mode. A couple days go by and I felt like something was wrong. I didn't have any signs of anything, but I just was like, I just feel like I need to go in. So I asked my doctor if I could come in and when I was in her office, as I was passing by, she peeks out of her office and she says, he's okay, everything's gonna look so great today. And so we go into the room, she puts it on my stomach and everything was still. She starts crying and cause she's walked through this whole thing with me and I, I couldn't cry. And she said, I'm crying, you're not crying. And part of it was shock and sadness, but another part of it was like, God, I've already decided my response to you. It's the same as before. Before me and Clay went into the hospital, we listened to a song called Worthy of It All. And when we came out, we listened to the song again. And that song goes, I give you my worship. You still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. I pour out your praises. In blessing and breaking, you worthy, you worthy, you worthy of my song. He's still worthy. He's always worthy. For several years, I've grieved. As family members and friends have had babies, I've grieved. As my kids grow older, wishing they could be closer in age, I've grieved as my plans for a family get farther away from me. I've grieved as my prayed for timeline gets longer and longer. I've grieved watching my prayers and the prayers of people that love us be unanswered the way that we prayed for them. And while I've grieved, I've also celebrated. I've celebrated as family members and friends have had babies. I've celebrated as my kids have gotten older. I've celebrated as I've had more time in this season just to be with Layla and Livy. I've celebrated this time and season as we are in his timing and his timing is always better than mine. I've celebrated the fact that we have you and people praying for us and believing with us. Isn't it such a wonder that you can have joy in the midst of sorrow? that you can be going through the hardest time of your life, but still be grateful that those things can coexist. Second Corinthians six ten says our heart aches, but we have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. This isn't our final home. One day I will get to meet all four of my sons. Someone messaged me when I was going through this process and they said, how beautiful that 
as this last son or as the sons before were entering heaven that they already had a brother there. And that's such a beautiful picture. And while it's sad and I'm sad I didn't get to meet them on this side of eternity, I know one day I will. And I don't know what all that looks like, but I can't wait to meet them. When you can see what God is doing instead of what he isn't doing, then you can enjoy the season he has you in. There's always something to be grateful for. Your season is one to be grateful for no matter what's happened. You've heard of gratitude journals or gratitude practices, and maybe you've thought that was dumb, like I did. I thought it was real dumb. But that means you haven't tried it. Because <laughs> applying it, it really changes everything. Choosing gratitude affects the way that you think, the way that you act or be, and what you do. Scientifically, gratitude has been shown to lower stress, reduce pain, improve your immune system, your mental health, blood pressure, and heart function. Who doesn't want that? I want that. I want to tell you this story of a lady named Corrie Ten Boom. She grew up in a devoutly religious family, and during World War II, her and her family harbored hundreds of Jews to protect them from arrest by the Nazi authorities. They were betrayed by a fellow Dutch citizen and the entire family was imprisoned. This included Corey's 84-year-old father who died in the prison. Corey and her sister Betsy remained in the notorious Ravensbrück concentration camp near Berlin. They were moved to barracks and Corey was horrified by the fact that their reeking straw bed platforms swarmed with fleas. How could they live in such a place? It was Betsy who discovered God's answer. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's the answer, Betsy said. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now. And thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. Corey said, I stared at her and around at this dark, foul-aired room. And then we began to thank God for the fact that they were together. They thanked God they had a Bible. They thanked God for the horrible crowds of prisoners and the more people, that more people would be able to hear God's word. And then Betsy thanked God for the fleas. The fleas, this was too much, Corey said. Betsy, there's no way God can make me grateful for the flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, Betsy quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. But this time, Corey was sure Betsy was wrong. It turned out Betsy was not wrong. The fleas were a nuisance, but a blessing after all. The women were able to have Bible studies in their barracks with a great deal of freedom, never bothered by supervisors coming in and harassing them. They finally discovered that it was the fleas that kept those supervisors out. Those fleas... God, because of those fleas, God protected the women from abuse and harassment. Dozens of desperate women were free to hear the comforting, hope-giving word of God. And through those fleas, God protected the women from much worse things and made sure they had their deepest, truest needs met. This is Betsy on this side. And she died there on December 16th, 1944, and only 12 days later, Corey was released for reasons completely unknown. In 1946, this is Corey. She began a worldwide ministry, went to over 60 countries, and wrote a book entitled The Hiding Place. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks to God no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. This is God's will for you. What can you be grateful for in your tough season today? Write it down, say it out loud, tell someone. Your gratitude for where God has you can change your perspective completely. I'm so grateful I've felt the presence of God deeper than I ever did before. 
God would have had no reason to reveal sides of himself to me had I not experienced the pain that I experienced. I love deeper. I cherish moments than I ever did before. I've gotten six years with Livy and almost eight with Layla and seeing their relationship grow has been beautiful. My love for Clay Jones down here on the front row has only gotten stronger as the war zone and you have gotten hotter. There's so much that I've learned and God has matured me and still is. I can honestly go on and on, but I choose gratitude. Not for what has happened, but for what God has done in the process. Are you ready for the rest of the story of the Shunammite woman? Because it's a really good one. I love this part. So 1 Kings 8, 3 through 6. Elisha tells the woman that there's going to be a famine and that she needs to leave. And so she goes away for seven years and she comes back and she's going to go to the king and ask for everything back that she's lost, her house and her land. So verse four through five says that the king was talking to Gehazi, servant to the holy man. Tell me some stories of the great things Elisha did. It so happened that as he was telling the king the story of the dead person brought back to life, the woman whose son was brought back to life showed up asking for her home and land. I'm sorry. She showed up like right at that moment as they were talking. That's what the Bible says. Have you ever like been in traffic and you're like, why am I in this traffic? This is so ridiculous. Maybe God is like having you wait because there's a perfect moment that you need to arrive. Gehazi said, my master, the king, this is the woman. And this is her son whom Elisha brought back to life. The king wanted to know all about it. And so she told him the story and she asked for everything back. The king assigned an officer to take care of her saying, make sure she gets everything back that's hers plus all the profits from the farm from the time she left until now. That's powerful. Let me tell you today what you can control. You can control, this is from Pastor Keith, your think, you can control the way you think, your be, you can control your attitude, and your do, you can control your actions. That's it. Some of us have chosen to go down the wrong thought path about God and about what he said or what we thought he would do. Some of us have chosen to have a bad attitude about God and about what he said or what we thought he would do. Some of us have chosen to act in such a way that now we no longer believe God, we no longer trust him, and maybe have unfollowed him, so to speak. You know those people that like go on Instagram, they're like, we've grown apart, or I don't really like her anymore, I'm gonna unfollow her. And then some time goes by and it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Just as easy as it is to go back and like click follow on Instagram, you can do that today with God. You can change your attitude. You can change and choose to be grateful. It's super, super easy. But don't give up, choose gratitude. And number three is add your yet. This woman comes to the king and this is the boy standing in the king's court. The thing that died in one season of her life was the thing that now stood beside her as a representation that God is the ultimate restorer. You need to bring the thing into the room that God did in your past and tell that story of what God has done, not what he hasn't done. Don't say what wasn't fair. Don't have a bad attitude. Don't bring your fear into the room. You're standing next to the miracle of God. Tell that story. Tell yourself the story of God's faithfulness, not the story of what he hasn't done yet. You don't have it yet. My girls are the thing I bring into the room with me. They are the representation of the ultimate miracle worker and redeemer. Every time you tell yourself a story, bring what he did into it. Yeah. 
and it will become a testimony of what he can do and what you just haven't seen yet. God has a yet I didn't plan for and a route I honestly never wanted to have to take. But I won't give up. I'll choose to be grateful and I know I'm in the middle of a yet. I knew this last pregnancy would be my last to try on my own, and my doctors knew it as well. So some of you may have seen on our Instagram that we're in the middle of a surrogacy journey. And can I just say, don't send me anything weird on Instagram or in messages. <laughs> like, I believe conception happens, you know, like right when everything's formed, there's gonna be no embryo left behind. We're gonna make sure and do everything that we can. But we believe God is using this plan and has this for his purpose for us and for our family. And we're not giving up. This isn't the way I wanted it. It isn't what I prayed for. It isn't what I hoped for. But all four of my sons died. And I know God doesn't end stories that way. So I'm giving God something to work with. I will choose to look at what, he's ha what he has done and what I believe he will do. And I know I haven't seen the fullness of the promise yet. The Shunammite woman goes to ask for it all back. God is the ultimate redeemer. You may not get it back the exact way that you want because he's going to give you even greater, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Just like the Shunammite woman, I believe God has a plan to restore everything and more. I am bringing my promise into the room and saying, God, I know I just haven't seen it yet. So today don't say, well, we just haven't seen it. Add a yet. You haven't seen your dream happen yet. You haven't hit that goal yet. God hasn't answered that prayer yet. The promise he told you hasn't come to pass yet. Your redemption story isn't over. You just haven't seen it yet. God isn't finished. He's not finished. We wrote a song that says, we played it a few weeks ago, and it says, when it seems like it's the end, that's where you begin. When it seems like it's the end, that's where he begins. Today, maybe you're at your end. And you're like, God, I can't do anything else. I can't see a way forward. I don't know what you have, but I trust that you have something. Or maybe you're like, I don't know that I trust anything right now. Can I tell you that his promises are true? And like I said, it's not that he'll answer everything the way that you want. But he has something even better. And could I say that I wish, you know, someone said to me once, you'll be so grateful one day that this happened. And I'm like, no, I will not. I'm not grateful that I lost these babies. But can I see God in the midst of it? Do I know that he's with me in the midst of it? Do I know he has a plan in the midst of it? Has he been closer than me in the midst of it? Yes. Yeah. And so choosing to shift even my language from, God, you didn't do this. God, I haven't seen this. Why are you letting this happen? I don't understand. You are a miracle worker. You are a restorer. Why is this the outcome? shifting it from, from all of that to, God, I know I just haven't seen it yet. God, I know, I, I know the miracle's there, I just know I haven't seen it yet. God, I know you have a promise and a plan for me and it's, I just haven't seen it yet. You just haven't seen it yet. His promises for you are still yes and amen. Can we close our head, or close our eyes and bow our heads? 
Lord, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your promises. Lord, I pray for those today that have seemingly given up, that have gotten on the negative side of things or been focused on what you haven't done. You know what, if that's you today, if you're one of, in, fall into one of these categories I've talked about, will you stand up and let me pray for you? Don't be embarrassed to stand up. There's more of you than this. <laughs> God, I thank you for your people today. Lord, I pray your strength over these people today. God, I pray that there will be a joy on the inside of them that they can't even explain. Lord, I pray that you'll give them the strength to not give up. I pray that you'll give them the strength to choose gratitude. God, I pray that you'll give them the strength to add their yet to everything that they haven't seen. Lord, I pray that there would be a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, show yourself to them. Reveal yourself to them in a deeper way. Lord, I pray that they'll be reminded that when it seems like nothing's happening, that you're up to something. And like Abraham, 25 years might have gone by. You might have said it seven times before you actually do it, God, but I pray that they would hold on to your promise, that they would hold on to the fact that you're a miracle-working, powerful God. God, I pray that there would be this inner strength, God, that they go, I don't know where this is coming from, but they can know that it's coming from you, that it's by your power, by your strength, by your might. Lord, and in this moment right now, let your anointing fall on them. Let your peace fall on them. Lord, we thank you that we are not alone. Sometimes the things that we go through can feel really lonely, but we're never, ever alone. God, so I pray that when they go to sleep tonight and every night going forward, God, that they'll feel your presence so strong, that they'll feel your peace so strong, God, that you'll speak to them in dreams and in visions of what you're gonna do, just like you did in your word, so that they can hold on to those promises. God, and we also pray today for breakthrough. God, we pray for breakthrough. We won't be like the people that give up right when we're at the edge. God, I pray that for things that need to be healed, that you would heal. God, for the things that need to be restored, that you would restore them. God, for the things that maybe are holding on that need to be set free, God, that you would set it free, that there would be a release. And Lord, I pray that you would open the windows of heaven over them and over us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.